You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassidy and Alicia Garvalia. Hi, guys. Uh, Thanks for joining us on The Elephant Test today. We're joined by Mike Egron. Mike is the CEO of the webinar production company, WebAttract. He has delivered over 500 B2B demand generation webinars. He's also an award-winning author, producer, and frequent guest speaker for such organizations as the American Marketing Association, Content Marketing Institute, and the Content Marketing World. So, Mike, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. And uh, I guess uh, let's just jump right into it. Um, how did you like? What's your what's your history? How did you get where you're at um, from from where you came from? How did you get into B two B marketing specifically? I started in high tech back in the mid '80s. I was with Apple and Oracle and and other technology companies, and I was primarily in the uh, sales, business development global alliances arena, but I always had a, a passion for marketing because marketing was always the opportunity to take a more strategic, creative, long view of how you can attract and find new customers, how you can turn them from prospects into to advocates. And when I got into the webinar business, um, unbeknownst to me, I became enamored with the benefits of marketing. And at the time, content marketing was, was and is all the rage. And I just saw a natural alignment, uh, to, to work in a, in a, in a sense with marketing. And I think that's one of the, the, the benefits that webinars do is that it's, it's kind of natural content, right? It's total. I mean, I mean, you know, webinars are, are an opportunity for you to take static content and information and breathe life into it and tell a story. So it became a very, very natural, but that was the basics of how I got into it. I, I had always wanted to be in marketing. I always done a lot of events and this was a perfect opportunity to make it official. When you started in marketing though, there wasn't, I mean, there was no such thing as a webinar. I don't think we we didn't really have uh, much of an internet going on. Yeah, in the 80s, I'm not sure that there was a, a web in the sense that we really... Talk about right. now. No, we called it sneaker net back then, m- meaning you literally had to take a floppy disk and go from one workstation to another. I probably have lost half the audience wondering what is he talking about. But no, there was no internet back then. That's for sure. So, so there was no internet yet. But I mean, at some point, you saw this the webinar as a as a great new tool and jumped in. Did you jump? Did you get into webinars kind of in the early days of webinars? Is it a more recent thing for you? I would say. It's been about 10 years, and that's a lifetime uh, in, in today's technology world with all the changes. I came from doing a lot of event marketing, a lot of trade shows and conferences, and I found that to be a very effective way of being able to put information to educate someone and give them something that they might see as a way to solve some of their problems and if you could get them interested in and in how you could help them, then they'd want to have a conversation with you. And the basic part of sales or anything is getting into a conversation with someone who's interested in learning how you can help them. So that was really how that all came about uh, back in the early days. And then I, when I got into webinars, it, like I said, it was about 10, 11 years ago. They just became a natural vehicle for being able to cut across time zones and geographies and reach a very, very targeted audience who was interested in finding out if what 
was being presented as something that could help them overcome a pain point or how they could get better outcomes, or maybe they were looking for that solution. So it became a very, very natural process to use webinars as part of the uh, 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 go-to-market uh, uh, strategies. Right. It, it's like an event that uh, people don't have to travel to to attend, basically, right? You're giving an event presentation, but uh, they don't have to buy a plane ticket. It seems like a very natural extension of these, uh, you know, events, event marketing that's, you know, you can do it kind of in an in-person format, but not. And and obviously event marketing gets pretty good, good high quality leads. Is that what kind of originally attracted you to it? Yeah, I think it was, it, Alicia, I think it, it was a, a lot of the fact that just as you said, not only didn't you have to get into a plane, you didn't have to get into a car. You could you could sit at your desktop or wherever and serve up great information to people. And and as I said, they did not have to worry about taking excess time out of their day. And I, and I should they could be in their pajamas. Well, yeah, yeah. And and I would have to tell you, as delivering a few webinars, I've been in my pajamas too. But we'll leave it at that. Fortunately, we not today though. We'll just assume. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Today, today I'm fully dressed, uh, but I, but I also think that you know one of the catalysts was literally right after um, the horrible nine uh, eleven events, and that made it very difficult for people to travel. People did not want to travel as much, so it it kind of you know became a great way to allow people to get information without making them travel, and that certainly was one of the best best use cases for doing webinars. Nice, nice. So, when you first started out with webinars, it was was it just a, a live streaming type thing? Uh, a lot of webinars nowadays they have, um, you know, you can get the recording later, um, so people kind of come and go as they need. It's an ongoing content piece. Where were webinars still being saved and accessed online on demand, or was it kind of a you sign up at this time and this is the only time you're going to access it? Actually, both. Being able to have somebody attend a live webinar not only is valuable uh, to them because they're able to participate in real time and ask questions, but it also shows a level of interest and engagement in, in someone who registers and is being willing to, to attend live. What I, what I found was that doing the live presentation was great, but also being able to have a recording for on demand for 24 seven, not only helped those people that registered, but weren't able to attend live because it gave them an opportunity to see it. It also gave an opportunity to those that did attend live. Maybe they wanted to see it again or learn something else. So those were very, very important uh, ways of delivering information. And we prefer to do webinars live, just like we're doing this podcast live, because it's it's in real time and it comes out and it's it's a much more natural way of presenting it. But certainly having the recording for those that couldn't attend, it's a great way to do it. So it's a combination of both, Sky. Right. And then I suppose uh, not only are you able to not have to travel to and attend the event of a webinar, basically, but uh, you don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be time specific either. Um, so if you're not available at a specific time when an event, uh, you know, or a webinar is, uh, with that, you can, you can access the information anytime you want. Yes. And in addition to that, there's a couple of other benefits. When you have a webinar recorded, one of the things that we're able to do, we're big, very, very focused on metrics and analytics and understanding 
um, who is attending, who is watching. And after the webinar and the webinar is, is, is hosted, we can determine if somebody who watches it either registered, but weren't able to attend, or did they attend and they wanted to learn more information or did it go viral? Was it something from a social channel that someone said, you know, you ought to listen to this webinar. So we could, we could see the level of engagement. And I think the other thing that's important about the webinar is that it really gave you an opportunity after the webinar to use that content and take nuggets of information from it and use it for more nurturing with the people that attended or new prospects. You, you know, there may have been something out of there that you really wanted people to hear, but maybe they didn't want to listen to the whole webinar. You can take that soundbite out and package it up and send it off to people. And that's a very, very effective way of continuing to get information out to people. It sounds like it's a really effective way, which brings me to, it's kind of an offshoot of this subject, but I'm interested in what your opinion is about live casts. When there is, you know, an, an actual live event going on and then it is cast to either just to someone's computer or I've actually been to events that are kind of almost a sub event of the live event. So for instance, so they're live streaming a concert to yeah, another was, location. It was a live streaming of, of an event that was happening in Atlanta and I went to it here in LA and you know, they included us and it was a really beautifully done event. I'm wondering kind of how you see those as um, where, where they intersect and what kind of the future is of those together, if anything, or, or how you view that. Well, the way I look at it is that in, in a webinar, uh, it becomes a one, it, it, to, to the attendee, it can sound as a one to one conversation. As the speaker or, or, or the, the sponsor of the webinar, it's really a one, a one to many rather than a one to one. And the most important thing to remember to answer your question is the value and how specific the topic is as well as who your audience is. So to answer your question, if you're going to be doing a live event and there's something very, very specific in there that will help people, again, people vote with their time. And if they see they can get value by attending, and in other words, if you're going to tell them something that they don't know or help them on their journey to become more educated they're going to have more of an interest in tuning in. And so my point is it, it really gets back to the planning of the, of the topic, of the content, of what's the value for the attendee. What's the, you know, what, what are the things that someone's going to get out of it? So the answer is absolutely. If you can align that with the right audience, it's a natural because again, people may not be able to, to, to take off from, from their job and fly and spend a couple of days to go to a conference and they want it, but they still want the information. So it's an excellent way to serve up information. Speaking of what people get out of it, what do companies get out of webinars these days? I think that we all have our conceptions, be it positive or negative, of webinars. But you know, coming from your experience or vast experience in this, what is it that that companies actually can get out of webinars? Yeah, I guess what would they expect? Um, are you looking at? Direct lead generation, branding, kind of market influence, all the above. Content marketing, obviously. And then I guess, I mean, we'd asked about where you came from before. If you could kind of cover maybe where it's come from, it's probably evolved over the years. Well, I think, you know, if you, if you look at the webinar, there's, there's probably 
three basic reasons in the B2B space people want to do what we call a demand generation webinar. Uh, they either want to raise the awareness of their offering, they want to promote their thought leadership, and they want to use those two to help attract people that would be interested to have a sales conversation after the webinar. Those are the three primary drivers to do a demand gen uh, webinar. But specifically, what do people get out of it? I think there's probably a half a dozen different ways we measure webinar effectiveness. For instance, the easiest one is how many net new deals were closed as a result of doing the webinar. That's easy to measure. But also, how effective were you to convert prospects to become your customers? We have examples where there had been people sitting on the fence and they weren't 100% sure, but they attended the webinar and the case study they heard so identified with their pain points that they will, after the webinar, call the company up and say, we'd like to talk to somebody in sales and, and do a demo or whatever. So, so being able to move people from prospects to customers, another one. The other one is that it's a great way in promoting your thought leadership to, to enable an upsell and cross sell to your existing base. Naturally, when you're doing that, you're going to increase your sales pipeline. But here's a couple of things that the, the webinar does just as it, it's virtual. It, it allows you to punch up bigger than your weight and it puts you on the map as a viable player. So we have many, many clients who are, are regional emerging companies, but had something to offer and were able to, to broadcast throughout the, the North American time zones and, and it put them on the map as a viable player. And also with that, it lets companies reach new markets and geographies that they might otherwise not be able to get to. Right. I guess it's one of the great things that the internet does in general. It, it allows people to be on the same, yeah. same field, basically. You don't have to buy a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, you, you have a webinar. The Fortune 500 company has a webinar. It, they're both webinars that people can access. And, and, and I think also, if you really have something that's going to help somebody overcome a vexing challenge where they have a pain point, something that's keeping them up at night, uh, or they're looking for a better outcome. A webinar is a perfect way to serve that up because they're going to get it. If they see it, that it's going to help them, then they're going to be interested and they're going to want to learn more. And again, I, I cannot overstate how important it is to add value to your audience so they become interested to want to learn more because doesn't matter how much you want to sell what you have. If somebody's not interested and doesn't see the value, it's not going to go anywhere. To me, that sounds like there's a lot of um, narrative arrangement and, and storytelling in what you're doing that when you kind of talk to a client, you're not just saying like, okay, here's the technical side of how to put on a webinar, but you're also saying, here's how to tell your story because oftentimes the people who are most passionate about their products are not necessarily the people who can uh, articulate their products the best. Yes. You know, if, if, if you look at it from the, the traditional way that things used to be presented, it was more of a sales pitch. Uh, you would talk about the product. It would be very product centric. Uh, you would talk about features and benefits of the product. You would talk about pricing. Those are great things to talk about, but not until you've established why you have something that can help somebody. So the more you can focus on 
best practices, lessons learned, business value, metrics, how you got to market faster, how you cut costs down, how you increased your, your ROI. And that's where the webinar, and you, you know, you said it a second ago about, uh, about telling a story. Case studies are one of the most, uh, impactful ways of communicating business value. And a case study can be done, uh, by, by a client, by a partner, someone who's excited and is, and wants to talk to an audience about who their company is, a profile of, of what they do, what were their challenges, uh, what were their options to solving those challenges, what did they implement, what kind of results did they have? And when somebody does that, people are listening and they're going, yeah, that, 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 that could help me too. That's a lot more of an effective way than coming out of the gate and talking about your product. Nobody cares about your product. They care about what you can do for them. So that's, right. that's nobody wants an infomercial, really. No, that's, uh, no, that's only if you wake up and it's already on. You don't sign up for that. Right. I was listening to this conversation. I was like, God, it seems like we're just hitting like selling points on webinars almost. I hope we're not sounding like a, like an infomercial. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that I, same we're, thing we're, crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it's important too. And I, I know when, you know, prior to us speaking about doing this podcast, I think that, you know, there's, there's another side about how you can make sure that you're being successful in in marketing your services and and I think the the point that I want to make here is it's always about giving value to your audience. Your audience is your number one priority. And yeah. the more value you can give to your audience and your clients by being able to help them get the results they're looking for, the more of of a of a a uh, strong value proposition you're going to have. And that's, that's important. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that doing a webinar will do or, or, or any service business is really, really being able to, to connect with your audience and give them something that they can use. Cause they're, remember, they're on a journey. They're here to learn something. And if you can help them and it shows them that there's something in it for them, then they're going to want to speak with you after yeah, the webinar. Let me- let me push in that direction a little bit. We've talked a lot about webinars, but for you, kind of who you are and and what your company does, how do you guys market yourself to other companies out there? Like what kind of channels do you use? What have you found to be successful? Well, a lot of the channels that we use are somewhat traditional in, in having a uh, very, very um, substantive website that has information on it that people can access and most of the information other than, than ebooks, which, which we, we offer to people are not gated. And you want to let people look and see your quals, see what you've accomplished. Let them see samples of your work. Let them see how, how this all works. Um, so a, a website is very important. Another right. way is. So it's not the hard lead. It's more kind of the. The brand. I mean, if you're not gating your content, you're not just looking for a name that you can go to right. close. Right. You're kind of building, and you're you're looking to the content to bring them in. Right. And the other thing, Sky, is that in 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 doing the webinar, it's it's being able to focus on things that that they're going to be interested in, and and figuring out how to give them value for their time because the most important thing people have is their time and where the where people attending the webinar love the anonymity they also love the anonymity because if they don't like what they're hearing they'll just check out and 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 check their emails or 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 twitter or whatever and if they if they really don't like it they'll just turn it off and do something else 
Yeah, quick time tip that I always like to give people. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so anybody who's listening to this, if you want to save some time, turn it up to 1.5 speed, even two two times speed if you can handle it. Yeah. You save yourself some time, and uh, you don't have to hang out with us quite as long, and you still get all the content. <laughs> That's a good one. And then you can hear us like chipmunks if you turn it up yeah. really fast. Right. <laughs> you had something, Alicia? You know, actually, I think now is a good time to take a break. And then when we come back, I want to talk, dig in a little bit more about um, value and, and how to provide value to customers, whether on a webinar or otherwise. Oh, yeah. And I've been scribbling away here, uh, Mike. I've got some specific uh, webinar questions that I'm sure people want to know. Uh, the answers to on the logistics of doing one of these things. So we'll take a quick break and uh, be right back. Our episode today is brought to you by Engageo. If you're thinking about ABM and not sure how to start or which plays to run, Engageo just came out with a new playbook for marketers featuring 16 plays that have been tested in the field to get results. Check them out at Engageo.com slash orchestration. Welcome back. We are talking with Mike Egron. And uh, Mike, you talk a lot about bringing value to uh, the customer, whether you know you as your company wants to bring value to your customers or making sure that the webinars that you produce are bringing value. What are some points to make sure that no matter what kind of content, no matter what kind of uh, service we're offering for our listeners – what are points of value that we can bring to our marketing? You've talked about their time. You've talked about uh, information that they don't have. What else? Oh, I think if you if you take that and you use a framework of understanding why would somebody want to outsource the production of their webinars and understanding that they probably want to do it because they may not have the resources in-house, they may not have the expertise, uh, they may realize that this is a high-stakes opportunity and they know their brand is on the line. If you think about that and you think about the customer first, then you say, okay, how can I serve this customer and provide them the least amount of concern and worry on their part so they know that we've got their back and we're going to take care of, of them to make sure they're successful. And so part of that in the value is making it e- as easy as possible for someone to do business with you. And one of the ways is to take uh, what I like to say is a single vendor accountability or responsibility by managing as much of the process as possible. So they know you've got their back. They know you're going to take care of it. It's, it's not choppy. It's not broken up where, well, I can do this for you, but I can't do that. So the more that you can do and, and orchestrate that across the entire webinar life cycle, the more value you're going to bring to your client. It also makes you more valuable in the marketplace because all of a sudden people say, wait a minute, you'll not only help me plan the webinar, you'll help me identify the the topic, you'll help me identify the content, you'll help me find the audience, you'll do the email market. In other words, you're going to do all these things? Okay, I like that. And then you, you create more of a collaborative sense and people like that today. As we said, everybody's time is valuable and limited and the more you can do for them, the better off you're going to be and the more value they're going to get. And, and it just, it just works beautifully when things are done like that. 
So what I'm hearing is that when you can take the burden off of whoever you're providing the the, the service to because of quality and because of accountability within your own structure, that that really takes something or gives something to the client. And I know that from my own experience with working with outside vendors – that for me, I feel like I have to kind of keep on top of my vendors and make sure that they have accountability. And, and I hope that that's, you know, that's always going to be true no matter what. But when I'm outsourcing things with the company that I work for, that I, I know that I have to keep on top of that. But if I had a, a vendor that was like, nope, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay it out for you with a very clear and precise plan. And then I'm going to follow through and have weekly checkups and make sure that we're hitting all of our goals. That to me would be so relieving and take such a big burden off of managing that, that I'd be like, okay, ready, go. And I feel like I don't have to do as much. Well, that's exactly right. You know, you hit the nail on the head. The more you as a client know that you can trust us, that we're going to get and deliver on what we said and that we bring a discipline of, of deadline-driven project management. That's what people want. People don't want excuses today. They don't want reasons why things don't work. They just want to know that it's getting done, that somebody's looking out for them. I, just one quick example. I think I mentioned either in our offline discussions or earlier about using metrics. So here's an example. You're, you're producing a webinar. Often, when you outsource something to the experts, the experts know things that you don't know or you don't know to ask, and that can be that can be a, a very helpful advantage. Perfect example. So we're, we're we're registering people for your webinar. Wouldn't you like to know who they are, what their job roles and functions are, what their title is, what do they want to learn, uh, what companies do they represent, so on and so forth? And to give that to you in a nice format, you go, oh, I see. We're we've got a lot of people from manufacturing, and we have people with this job title. It gives you more insight. It gives you more value. So I guess my point that I'm saying is. Always be thinking about what's in it for my client. How can I make this a much more enriching, positive experience for them? Doing everything to make them successful. And guess what? They're going to want to come back for more. It's, it's as simple as that. So in that same area, we've, we've uh, helped promote webinars before for clients uh, and, and whatnot. And it seems to fluctuate quite a bit. And then it seems, you know, people have all different techniques for, for getting people to sign up for attend the webinar, but you know, what do you typically use for getting people to sign up? And then what's a good number that people should, should look to kind of strive to have to attend a webinar? Well, I think the, 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 one of the first things that you have to do is understand is your topic timely and relevant? Is it really going to help somebody solve a vexing challenge is it going to help somebody overcome uh, some pain points they're having? Is it going to sh- help somebody get better outcomes? That's the most important thing. So you got to have value right off the bat. Otherwise, you're, yeah. you're fighting I mean, uphill there. It, it, it has to be what I call a must-have topic because if it's not a must-have topic, people are not going to be interested. I, I mean, if it's a nice-to-have, no one's going to even op- open up the email or register. But if it's a must-have and it's timely and relevant – then you're going to get people who are going to be interested. And, and you, know, you talk about numbers. I, there's so many different variables. Are you using your own house list or are you going to go out beyond your house list and purchase a list, let's say, and, and go after 
uh, an audience that matches the demographic matches the value proposition of the webinar. So you asked for numbers. These are just back of the envelope numbers. But it's, it is totally a numbers game. And if we're going to be looking at email marketing as the primary driver, let's just start with a list of, say, 50,000 names, which, believe it or not, is not that hard to find. And if you take that list and you execute it on a campaign, <laughs> if, you, if you do that about three weeks before you go live and you execute it with, with four or five what we call touch points or drips, you should be able to attract one quarter to one half of 1% of those 50,000 people to sign up. And breaking that down, one quarter to one half of 1% is anywhere between 125 to 250 people. And that's that's kind of a a, a baseline. But again, it all has to do with the topic. Is it a must-have, the relevancy of it? And if all of those things line up, you're going to you're going to pull in those kind of numbers to, for people to register. So, you know, moving towards the actual happening, you know, webinars are are live and there's not a whole lot of editing that can be done. You know, when when you're press go, you've got you're kind of on stage. So there has to be some kind of hilarious things that have happened. Do you have any stories of um, blooper reels that have gone on? (laughs) A daughter coming in while you're recording a viral video recently, uh, that kind of stuff. Yes. One of the things, there's, there's so many different things that can happen. I I must tell you though, that the, the, that the number one blooper or blunder to avoid is to always remember the importance of planning. And and I always say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And what I mean by that is, how clear are you on what the objectives of the webinar is? What kind of value are you giving to the attendees? What are the success factors? How are you going to, how are you going to measure success? How, what kind of outcomes you're looking for? What is the call to action? And all of those things make up the webinar and give it a strong footing as far as being something of value. And so when you talk about some of the, the, the blunders, if people aren't prepared, see a lot of people think, that, hey, I'm a great presenter. I can just show up and wing it. Well, that's a big myth. That's not going to happen because a webinar, unlike a live in-person event, is virtual. It's much like what we're doing right now. You don't get to see anybody and you have to know how to connect. You have to know how to get your points out and you have a finite amount of time. But I've seen people who aren't prepared for that. Yeah, I've I've showed up and tried to wing it before at, at live events, and it's yeah, it doesn't matter you, if you have a script. Work for him. It, it doesn't work for anybody. It's a bad <laughs> it, it, idea. It, it, it really doesn't. But but <laughs> sometimes as as part of the event is understanding that there is an, a role for technology, particularly with audio, because. Audio is the Achilles heel of all events, particularly webinars. So some of the we've seen situations where and it were pretty um, forceful, if you will, to get the client to understand the importance of using good audio devices such as such as a USB headset. But there are there have been cases where people will dial in using a cell phone and it sounds horrible. Uh, we've also 
try to have people not use wireless or battery operated devices because they can go out. And Cuts out halfway through. through. They don't even know it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a webinar we were doing a few years ago uh, and the speaker was fantastic. She was in France and she was staying at a farmhouse, but she had to go next door because they had a phone or whatever it was. And guess what? The phone wasn't charged. And in the middle of her presentation, oh, she no. dropped out. Oh. And I mean, that's, that's not the end of the world, but it, it creates a sense of, frustration for the audience because you were listening to somebody, they're not there and you've got to get that person back. I mean, those, those are the kinds of things. And particularly when people aren't prepared, or we've had many, as we say, four legged assistants uh, chime in during the webinar. So if you have a, if you have a, a, a dog and, and sometimes, you know, it's funny. I mean, they'll jump up on your lap and they'll start barking, but there are, there are lots of different things that you have to do, but most of it's in the planning and being prepared. That's why I go back to that. It's, it's such an important thing. To, to know what your goals and objectives are and make sure that everybody is prepared. Because I think, as you yeah. said, on webinar day, when the curtain goes up, you're live. Yeah, we had one years ago. I remember I was with a company and we, we did a webinar. We would do them for clients sometimes back then. And uh, we were doing a webinar and there was a fire drill in the middle of it. Oh, that's oh. And it was a scheduled fire drill. We just didn't know about it. And it's like, wow, we, you really <laughs> should know you. <laughs> that you cannot uh, pretend a fire drill is not happening uh, when you're recording a webinar. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, we're going to have to take a break. Uh... Yeah. Just work <laughs> through it. Work through it. <laughs> well, well one, one thing to add to that is that your audience to me, the audience is why we're here. The audience is my number one priority. I have a contract with my audience to deliver to them on what the invitation says they will get. And that, again, goes back to the planning with with the actual client. And so I've seen a lot of webinars that don't work as well as they should because they don't take the time to make sure they're delivering on their invitation and they, they get excited, which is fine. And they can be enthusiastic, but then they go into sell mode. So you don't I guess want to uh, I don't mean to be kind of pitching uh, using a company like yours to do webinars, but if you hire an outside company, um, I remember back, back in the day when I was with the company that uh, put on some webinars internally, if you mess up a webinar, it's like, Oh wow, we messed that one up. But if you hire an outside company and they mess it up, I guess you're just going to be a lot more prepared, not only mm-hmm. because that's what you do all the time, but also right. you got a lot more riding on this than uh, somebody who just says, well, we'll try again another time. Uh, um, like that's what you're contracted to do. You have one job and it's get that right. Yeah, we're we're there to ultimately make them successful. But in, 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 and I say this in a very positive, loving way is to protect them from themselves. They don't know what they don't know. And the example is, for audio devices, we highly discourage people from using cell phones or speaker phones because it creates a barrier between you and the audience. So there's little things that we'll do to help them and they, they, they literally can make or break the webinar, but you're right. You, you hire somebody who's an expert that they've been there. They know what to do. They're, they're going to take care of it. They're cool, calm and collected. And that's part of why you hire them is to manage that for you. So you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I bet you could easily look back at uh, webinars that you've done with people where they used a speakerphone if, if somebody snuck in there and you, and you didn't uh, force them not to and ones they didn't. And something I wanted to get to was the drop-off rate. Like if I'm listening to a webinar or or anything where it's got you know a podcast, which we really focus on the sound quality here, uh, hopefully we're doing good. People listening to this shaking their head. <laughs> but uh, because – 
if the sound quality is bad and that's what you are as sound, then you, you know you don't really have much else. And if people are on a speakerphone and I'm listening to to a webinar, I'm out. Like I'm not I'm not going to hang around for 45 minutes at speakerphone. Audio, and I mentioned this before, audio is the Achilles heel of all events, particularly webinars. The only instrument that we have to connect with the audience is our voice. We want to optimize our voice by making sure we're properly mic'd. Using a, a, a USB uh, device such as we're using now uh, and using it uh, voice over IP gives a much more uh, natural sound than going through a, a cell phone or a landline or even a speakerphone. The problem is that as the speaker, everything is asynchronous. So you sound great when you're speaking, except you don't hear what you sound like coming across. And when you're on a speakerphone, right. the audience, if the audience has to struggle at all to hear or it, or it sounds muffled or whatever, they're, they're going to, withdraw a little bit each time because it just becomes too hard. To yeah, everybody's singing in the shower. They all think they sound awesome. And then uh, you listen to it later and you're horrified. I've, I've done that. Yeah, I- exactly. Exactly. Yes. I don't know about you, but I always sound great in the showers. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so the, I guess one of the downsides, I mean, we talked about a lot of the upsides, but uh, a downside to podcasts is it's you mean people webinars? have um, I mean, webinars, I keep swapping <laughs> those in and out. They're so, they're so similar. I interchange them often, but you have to attract the people to it. So you, you have to have something very compelling. It's a one-off thing that you have to have very compelling and then you have to get them to show up and then you have to get them to stay. They're not really a captive audience in, in either podcasts or webinars, I guess, but True. You, you've got this non-captive audience that you know, you might get two, 300 people to sign up and then you might get 150 to show up and then you might get, 75 to stay through the end of the of of the webinar do you have any i'm just throwing out some random numbers i uh, nobody quote me on those numbers but do you have any idea what the kind of the the rate is does it fluctuate just wildly from one uh, one webinar to the next great question let me let me give you some specifics on it but but take a step back one of the things i didn't didn't articulate about uh, a webinar or event we like to look at it as being very theatrical. Now it's theatrical because it's a production, it's live, but in looking at the theatricality of it, it's made up of various acts and all of those acts add to, to produce a webinar that's going to keep an audience engaged. And as I, as I might have mentioned it, it's a great way to tell a story with real business outcomes. So here's, here's the connection. If you think like a broadcaster, and you realize that your job is to keep this audience engaged. And that's not an easy thing to do. But if, yeah, if I realize have, we need a color commentator. I think we need a third person on our well, podcast. Yeah. And, and we, we actually, we, we use moderators all the time. We have professional moderators that know how to welcome the audience, that know how to make the transitions. But to give you the answers, the specifics, if we go back to what I said a few minutes ago, uh, let's, let's say we have, 250 people that register for a webinar, right? 40% will attend live, give or take. That's, that's been our experience. If it's a really hot topic, it's going to go up to 50% or 60%. But here's the, here's the metric we're looking for. We want to make sure that 80% of the peak audience of the webinar is still on 
at least 15 minutes before the end of the webinar, which is when we go into what we call uh, the Ask the Expert session. And so our goal is to keep the audience on there. Now, to do that, that means we have to program it in a way that keeps it fast-paced. No speaker phones. No speaker phones. (laughs) Because you lost me if you got that. Right. And and so if this is – webinars are like a radio show but with pictures. What is radio hate? Dead air. Right. That's where the color commentary guy is. You gotta have you gotta have Bonaducci in there. That actually exactly. brings me to a question about the pictures. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks, I listen to podcasts, and I really enjoy how mobile that is. I can just plug my headphones in and either do my work or go run errands or whatever it is. Webinars, you know, obviously usually when I'm looking at a webinar, it's for something related to work anyway. So being forced to do it at at work or at a, a computer is kind of nice in that, you know, I can refine it just to my work hours. But I feel like I could be learning a lot more from webinars if they were just audio. And I realize that's not the point of webinars. But do you see that as sometimes detracting from webinars do you mean learning more or like absorbing more you would you would listen to more of them or i think i think i would i think i would listen to more of them Mm. yeah i think i would listen to more of them as well as on the flip side of that i feel like in my experience with webinars i have not experienced one that you've put on mic or one that you've produced um the visual aids are pretty like lame i don't know how else to put it they're just not very entertaining i've experienced yours mike i i and uh and they're good. I think I, I sent somebody to you a while back saying, look how bad this company's webinar is. You should right. call them. <laughs> because people put – they can be super dry. And I guess to add on to, to Alicia's question, like I've never tried to listen to a webinar. I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of audiobooks. I've never tried to just listen to one. Is that a thing? Do people do that? Well, you know, let me, let me kind of give you a best practice be, because it, it has – the ability to show visuals. I think you want to use visuals as something that the audience can, can look at, but you want them dialed into the speaker. So one of the things that people forget about, or they don't understand. In fact, there's actually, I call it death by PowerPoint. Um, (laughs) They, they have too much text on the slide and, and rather than reading bullet points, we want people to tell a story and we want to keep one main idea or topic per slide. And, and if you do that and you're comfortable with your, your content, you can come across much more conversational and authentic. And that's going to connect with the audience as opposed to, uh, somebody coming on with, you know, uh, eight or nine bullets on a slide. Nobody wants that. That, that, that just gets your eyeballs right. to roll over. So it's a combination of both. You should have enough on the slide that's visually appealing. But you want them leaning into you. In fact, uh, there's a, I, I mentioned that there's a book. Uh, I think you can get it on Amazon. It's called Death by PowerPoint. It's called The Modern Office uh, Survival Guide. And it really talks about all the things that that you can do wrong using PowerPoint and, and being too dependent on your slides. And I think that is something that we try to get people away from is to get them to tell that story. And the more they yeah. can tell that story, the less dependent they are on reading their slides. And you can hear it. When somebody's reading slides – you know it. When they're speaking and they're communicating, people want to lean in. And what does this person have to say? Yeah, I've, I've got some 
uh, audiobooks that I'll listen to. I love audiobooks. Back to my last tip, you know, you can listen to them at speed and a half, something like that. And then even if you're a super slow reader like me, you can, you can seem a lot smarter. Um, but some of them, I'm listening and I'm thinking, oh boy, I, I really need the visuals for this mm-hmm. because they have stuff. You know, they're referencing the book in the audiobook. They're referencing right. tables or charts or graphs or really exciting stuff like that. But you, you kind of need to see it. So I guess maybe sometimes you, you kind of you really do need the visuals. But you're saying that whenever possible, have the visuals as kind of an aid to mm-hmm. the uh, to the audio. Back when I was in theater, uh, the rule of thumb, which is obviously different, but you have talked about how it is theatrical. Um, a rule of thumb that we used was actually that you know if someone was blindfold in the audience that they could still understand what was going on and if they couldn't hear they could still understand what was going on and so either one of those and i'm not sure how the visual only would work so well on a um webinar precisely because it is primarily audio but i've seen slide decks though where you say oh i can see what's going on here yeah and we actually would practice that way we would sit someone in the audience and be like can you tell what's going on uh blindfolded or or they couldn't hear or whatever yeah, that's a great way to look at this because the slides should be visual. The more use of graphics, the better. And and use them to to tell your story around, not to read from. Nobody wants to hear you reading from a slide. So yeah, I mean that that is a good technique. And it's also how somebody is is connecting with the audience. Are they are they really excited to be there? Are are they gesturing? Now you can't see somebody gesturing, but uh, as I'm speaking to you right now, I'm moving my hands and I'm I'm animated because it's, oh, yeah. it's something I'm interested in. And I think that quick question: Are you sitting down or standing up? I've had people tell me stand up, stand up when you're. I, I'm still not. I'm sitting down now, but I got to try the stand up thing. I'm seated, and it's it's just because it's it's just easier for me. But sometimes I will get up and move around. It all depends. It all depends on on what I'm doing and how much time I need to be able to advance the slides. But yeah, anything you can do to get out of that rut of reading is is, is the way to go. Mike, are you Italian with all your gesturing? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm Jewish, but it's close enough. (laughs) I've got a mic. We have mics set up here. If I was to gesture around, I think you'd just hear a lot of mic getting knocked over. So I have to try to keep my gesturing to a minimum. (laughs) Right, right. I get back to audio quality. Nobody wants to hear the mic getting knocked over every 10 minutes. Exactly, exactly. One last thing uh wanted to get into here Mike for the uh for the audience. Do you have any um any books just any type of media that you uh would recommend to people um around marketing in general? Uh it doesn't have to be you know very podcast specific uh but um webinar or webinar yeah. <laughs> Every time you hear me say podcast, uh, people just swap out the word webinar for this one. <laughs> just for this episode, though. <laughs> I can't uh, remember two different words. Come on. Well, you know, I, I think it all depends on on what it is you're looking to to get more insight on. Uh, you know, one of the things that I talked about. How about providing value? That's something you've talked a lot about. Yeah. and, and it, Great. And that's what I was going to say. If you understand that the topic must be a must-have, not a nice-to-have, then you you say, okay, what is it that I'm going to be able to to take advantage of? So, for, for example, uh, I think confusion and change really drives an opportunity, and it lets you highlight innovative solutions. In a book that I read a long time ago, uh, this this is this is probably from from the 90s and and the early part of this century was 
called The Innovator's Dilemma or Crossing the Chasm or Inside the Tornado. These are all about how how ideas and products become from the use of only people that are early adopters into becoming more mainstream uses. And, I, you know, reading stuff like that helps you understand how to tell a story. Because going back to what I said about being able to, to go beyond sound bites, if you have an innovative solution or something, an innovative story to tell, people want to lean in. I'll give you an example. We're doing one this week uh, for the supply chain logistics uh, folks out there who are. That sounds sexy. <laughs> Very yeah, sexy. It, it, it's called the talent gap war. And it's to, it's to show people who are in supply chain logistics where their career may be going, where, where the industry is going. If you think about it, Hmm, I'm a, I'm a supply chain logistics professional. I'm interested in that. So you're going to, you're going to give them something you want to be, you always want to be giving value to your audience. So, so that's a good way. Um, Jay Bayer, who you may be familiar with, uh, is a very, very, uh, well-known thought leader in, in, uh, content marketing, you know, has books, I wrote a book called Utility, You Utility, which is about, you know, knowing how to, to connect with your audience. Uh, the Content Marketing Institute puts out great books. I, I think there's a, there's a variety of them, but it's not just any one, one source. I, I like to look at a lot of different input because it gives me ideas on how I can make, what we do better and, and more engaging. Well, speaking of value, Mike, you've given us a lot of value today and thank you so much for coming on. If you're interested in uh, finding out more about what Mike does, you can go to webattract.com. Webattract is a webinar production and training organization that helps B2B marketing professionals excel at using webinars to attract, engage, and convert their audiences. They will do it for you or they can train you to do it yourself by becoming a certified master webinar producer. One more time, you can go find it at Webinar Attract. Webinar Attract? Uh, Web Attract. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Mike? Uh, do you have um, a uh, Twitter handle you want to throw out? Any, anything else you'd like people to be able to find you at? Sure. It's at Webinar Ready. One word, Webinar Ready. And I think that just to kind of summarize everything we've been talking about Understanding that you can't just show up and wing it is very important, but also thinking that you can build it and they will come. That's just not going to happen. It ta- again, it goes back to the planning. And I think one of the most important things, if you are going to put on a webinar, particularly in demand generation, understand that attendees are on a journey. They're there to learn something. They're not necessarily sales ready to buy now, but they can become your future customers and advocates if you give them value. I think those are the things that are the most important to remember. And other than that, I I really appreciate the the time that that uh, to, to chat with you guys. It's been a lot of fun, and you know, hope we can do it again. Mike, every time you talk, now I have like five more questions for you. Right. Yeah, we'll have Thanks to we'll have to do it another away. time. Yeah, I'm gonna have to write these down because I I, I want to keep dragging it out now. <laughs> well, guys, you can find our show notes uh, from this episode on elephanttest.com. And thank you for listening, and thank you again, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. It's been awesome. Okay. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.